episode 208. Hi, welcome to my mum's show. <laughs> And welcome to this episode of the Single Mother Survival Guide Podcast. My name is Julia Husher and I am the host of the show. If you are a new listener, then I want to wish you a very big welcome to this amazing community. And if you're a regular, welcome back. Thanks for joining me again. I hope that everybody is doing okay, whether you are in isolation, in lockdown, getting out and about a little bit, whatever you're doing, I'm sending you love. You know, I've shared a little bit about my frustrations with coronavirus and everything that's going on. And it's a roller coaster. You know, there are times that I'm like, this is really good. I'm looking at the good side of this. There are some really great things that have come out of this. And then sometimes it gets me down and I feel sad for my daughter. You know, she really misses her dad. She can't see him right now. It sucks for all the people that are having babies that can't have the the dads in the room or for the people that can't get to their family that are ill and for those that have people in hospital and loved ones dying and they can't see them and give them love like physical touch and be there. It it's absolutely heartbreaking, you know, and for me, it is certainly a roller coaster of emotions. And if you are feeling the same, then just know that you're not alone. Just know that you're not alone. You know, I I go through stages where I'm watching the news every day and it gets me more anxious. And I'm in one of those phases now where I've just been really just keeping an eye on what's happening because obviously in Victoria, in the next state, in Melbourne particularly, they're having a lot of trouble and there's hundreds of new cases every day. I know that's not the same as what's happening in the United States or in other parts of the world, but you know, that's big for us and it's scary and there's more little cluster outbreaks that are happening all around Sydney and close to my home. And it is, it's very scary. So um, I'm with you, I'm, I'm right with you and I'm sending you lots of love and let's just do something kind for ourselves and be very mindful when we do get anxious. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to probably take a couple of days off from watching the news and try not to think about it as much and get back to thinking about the good things that are happening as a result and reconnecting and thinking about what's what's so great in life and how we can use this as an opportunity for growth. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to thank everybody for your reviews and your emails. If you're a regular listener and you haven't yet left a review, I would be super grateful if you could leave one for me. Just pop on over to the podcast app on your phone And you can go to the show, Single Mother Survival Guide, scroll down and tap on write a review. And if you don't have time for that, even just tapping on the stars would be amazing. Um, I hope you love it and um, you give it a five star. If you don't, well, I'm sorry, can't please them all. And you can subscribe while you're there and you'll, you'll never miss an episode. Thank you. Okay, I'm just going to get straight into this week's episode. I'm thrilled to have Lynn Jimenez on the show this week. She was recently a guest in my Thrive Tribe community and did a 
bit of a talk and a Q&A and a very interactive sort of conversation about positive thoughts and we all absolutely loved it so thank you Lynn and she's here today to talk about something completely different so let's get into it. Lynn Jimenez, based in Southern California, is a mental health therapist and a yoga instructor. And she's also the founder of Connect, Flow, Grow, which is a platform that provides parents with easy to use tools so they can teach their kids about feelings and behaviors, reducing stress and frustration in the home and increasing the magic of family time. She has a very broad range of experience, ranging from the activation in the stress response system to creating school-based programs to teach kids social emotional skills to working with adults in a substance abuse treatment center. She was recently a guest speaker within my Thrive Tribe community. She's also a single mum to three boys, and I'm thrilled to have her on the podcast today. How are you going, Lynn? I'm doing so well, Julia. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to chat with you again. I loved our chat in the Thrive Tribe community. Of course, then we talked about uh, positive mindset and positive thinking. My members absolutely loved it. And today we're talking about something completely different, which I'm really excited to talk with you about. But before we get into it, tell us a little bit about you. Tell, like, where do you live? What's going on? What's, you know, what's happening? So I am in sunny Southern California. I've born and raised here, so I love it so, so very much. Um, Yeah, I mean, we are definitely on a very slow pace or a slower pace life right now. And so I kind of like it. It's giving me more time to just kind of settle into life with my boys. Um, You did mention that I'm a single mom and it's been a process, I would say, well, gosh, a couple years now we've been we've been living separately. Um, my single motherhood probably, you know, or the dissolution of our marriage started a little bit before that, but I've just always been so on the go that I don't really think I got to like slow down and appreciate time with my boys as much as I'd like to. And so we're doing a little more of that these days and it's really magical. Like we we're getting back to a place where we're having um, really impressive conversations for their ages. They are 10, eight and seven. And so they have these expansive thoughts that I would have never imagined. And now that we're just slowing down and kind of contemplating life, we're having some really fun conversations, um, and just doing really cool things. Man, just learned how to ride a bike recently. And so we're just all obsessed with bike riding. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm trying to teach my daughter how to ride a bike at the moment. <laughs> Oh, it's so fun. Like we'll go for a ride to, to just grab an ice cream or to go to the park. It's, I, I think I, it was like one of the things that I was most excited about parenting was I just always had these dreams of us going on these family bike rides. And so yeah. dreams come true. Oh, that's, it's so nice when they reach that age where you can do stuff with them, like that you would do normally and yep. um, something that you can all enjoy. So good. Yep. So yeah. would you say the, the slower life slower paced lifestyle that you're having right now is that because of corona or because you'd reassessed after your separation um I would say it's more because of corona to be honest um because I'm very much like on the go Uh, after the separation I think I needed more I needed deeper connections with my kids for sure so I reassessed that and I was like okay what am I what is my intention which is kind of it's pretty much how I developed my program I started realizing 
and applying a lot of more business concepts to my family life and recognizing that if I wanted to, if I wanted certain outcomes with my kids, I needed to start planning backwards for that and really putting things in place now to get us there. So part of it is I I just want us to have time together, like these memorable moments and these deep connections. Um, And so I was like really intentional about having family meetings every week. We go on vacation a couple times a year, like whether it's, you know, a weekend getaway or last fall, it feels like three years ago, we flew to Norway. Wow. Um, Oh my gosh. That's amazing. amazing and everybody was like how are you doing this like a one mom three kids I'm like my kids are amazing like we've really built our everybody's capacity for it um and they grow up every time we go on these trips so we we're we're slowing down to speed up sort of um like they I see them just grow so much and I see us like have these moments that I, I I just can't like they blow my mind away like we just they'll like last after we planned we went on that Norway trip my oldest son was like thank you so much mommy for planning this trip for us I know I know it took a lot for you and I was like oh you're in 10 like how do you have that level of insight and empathy it just is amazing so sweet it's also really inspiring because I think a lot of people when they become single moms a lot of that stuff kind of stops or they think that they can't do that or they feel like embarrassed to go somewhere and that they worry that people will look at them and be like where's the dad like yeah you know and I think once you once you take that step and you take your first trip and you realize how amazing it is you mm-hmm. just, there's nothing stopping you after that totally and it was scary like we had taken a road trip before that and I was like begging a friend to come with me I'm like you don't have to pay for anything like just pay for your own food and she couldn't come out and so I was like all right universe is telling me that this is like I can do this. So once we did that and I was like, all right, we're going to try and fly out of the country. We're just going to see how this works. <laughs> yeah. That's ama- and you didn't like go start gentle. <laughs> no, like, no, we was, yep, went to Norway and we just, they just did amazing. Like it, it blows my mind how, how built they are for travel. Oh my gosh. It's so good. I'm so impressed. It's amazing. Thank you. So let's talk about, um, you know, this, you've got this amazing sort of strategy of really bonding with kids and and sort of tapping into their emotional side I guess mm-hmm. talk us through that like how you told me this amazing story about this walk that you took do you want to share that with with my audience of course of course it's like one of my favorite stories to to share so um after my husband or my ex-husband and I got a divorce, I started doing these family meetings and it, it came out of stuff that I would teach in schools. Like when I taught uh, teachers how to like classroom management strategies or how to integrate social emotional learning into the class, we were the models based in restorative practices and how that shows up in a classroom and in our family is we sit in a circle and we talk so much happens just by doing that. Um, and so my family, my boys and I had been doing these, these family meetings and we would just like check in with each other, talk about the highs and lows of our day. And so we had, we were already building the capacity to have conversations. Um, and then we went on this road trip last summer and we were hiking on this mountain in Flagstaff. And we actually, the funny thing is, is we were supposed to go on this easy trail that was like a wander through a meadow and we missed that somehow. So we end up on this expert level hike at the top of the mountain and my kids are good hikers. So we hiked for about an hour and a half to two hours going up. And right around that point. That's amazing. Starting- Wait, they don't complain. 
no. Like sometimes it will. They're like, hey, can we stop and get it, have a break? Or uh, can we like have a snack? And it's like a slow pace, but I mean, they still just, they just hustle. My, my youngest used to, he used to complain more and I would end up carrying him on my back like a backpack for the majority of it. Yeah. But he's like since kind of grown out of that and now he like enjoys like exploring like the land around us. So he enjoys exploring land around the land around us, which is great. But we're on this like I think I think over the course of the hike we gained like fifteen hundred feet or something ridiculous like that. Wow. So we're at the top of this mountain, it's like all rocky and we're all in tennis shoes. And I'm like, okay, my cell phone is not getting the best of service. We've seen maybe two to three like groups of hikers this entire time. And now he's like climbing on these rocks and I'm seeing him slide off. And, and like, it's not a complete drop off to the right, but it's, you know, like a nice, nice downhill slope. And so I'm like getting anxious and there's all these signs, like make sure you have plenty of water. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, my anxiety's building. And so I'm like, Isaac, please stop. Isaac, please stop. Hey buddy, stop climbing all those rocks. You're not wearing the right shoes. And he keeps doing it. And um, and I know he's tired. And so then he just like, he just gets mad at me. And I'm like, Isaac, I need you to stop. And he takes off running. I'm like, great. Now he's running and it's already dangerous. So I run after him and I like grab him to stop him. And I'm like holding his, like holding him around the arms. And then him and I just like, he's screaming. I'm yelling at him and I'm like, I need you to stop. Like it was by far one of my least proud parenting moments. Um, And we just both had, we had both like, like flipped our lids really and lost it. Um, so we're standing on this mountain. My other two, they were scared because we're yelling at each other. And so they like wandered off and just kind of not wandered off, but like went to this rock and sat down. And then I just looked at him. I'm like, okay, like this isn't working for either of us. I'm like, you go sit on that rock. I'm going to sit on this rock. And we both took some time to calm down. And then as I could see his body was calming, I looked over, I was like, okay, buddy, you're ready to walk back down the mountain. And he was like, yeah. So we just, him and I just walked silently down the mountain hand in hand. Cause I knew we just needed to connect and he needed, he needed to know that I loved him still, but like the words just weren't, it wasn't the time to speak any words. And so we made it down and we had already talked about getting ice cream after this hike. And so we go to the ice cream shop and then I was like, okay guys, we're going to have a family meeting at the, when we have the ice cream. And so like, right. Family meeting is nothing new to them. They're like, cool, we're going to have a family meeting. This is what we do. So we're eating our ice cream and I'm like, okay, Isaac, can you tell us what happened on the mountain? So he went through his version of it. Um, and he, I discovered during that when he was sharing his version of the story that he just really wanted to be independent. And then I shared my version. I was like, I was having all these thoughts through my head, guys. I just kept seeing like one of you guys get hurt and me not being able to do my job. And my job is to keep you healthy and safe. And I was just really scared that I wasn't going to be able to do that job. And then my middle, my oldest son looked at me and he was like, Oh mommy, I didn't know you were having, you were scared like that. I get scared too, too sometimes. And so he was able to tell me the things that like cause him to feel fearful. And so we all kind of talked about our feelings, what happened. Um, and then from there, I was like, okay, bud, like I, you didn't listen to me and I need you to understand how important that is. What do you think your consequences are going to be? And he came up with something. I don't even remember what it was at this point. He probably like gave up some iPad time or something. And we talked about like what it is each of us were going to do differently. I told, I had to commit to handling my own frustration, my own fear differently, not yelling at them, not scaring them. I had to apologize to them for scaring them. And then he told me how he was going to, you know, like, do something. It's usually like take some deep breaths, calm his body down. Like he's really good about um, like understanding how to calm himself down and get back into more of a, a regulated state. And then we just, we left it there and we went on a merry day. And like, we've had so many 
meetings like that where something's happened and we it's given us the opportunity to just kind of debrief really is what we're doing. We're just debriefing it. It's not, there's no shame. There's no blame. Like nobody's right or wrong. It's just what each, each of us telling what our experience was and then figuring out like what we could do differently next time to hopefully, hopefully get a better outcome. I love it. I think I said to you um, at the time when he told me about it, I was like, it's like, it reminds me of kind of like a work situation meeting where you do a project and then you get together at the end of it as a team to discuss how it went and what you can do better next time. And I like, I just think it's so powerful to do that with your children. And it's something that I don't think many of us kind of think to sit down and debrief with them like that. Like we might have a cuddle and apologize or, you know, but to actually sit there and really talk it through and how we were feeling as well. I think that's really, um, I, I, I think most of us would not be doing that. Yeah. It's so powerful. And like, I mean, we're, you're learning so much, right? Like my kids are seeing me make mistakes and they're realizing like mom makes mistakes too. And this is how you come back and repair harm in a relationship. Like I have to, I have to be vulnerable just as much as them and say like, man, I messed up you guys. Here's what I'm going to do differently. And my apology is not this superficial thing. It's like, it's very genuine and I will work to be better, a better mom. And they see me doing the work every time. Um, And then, you know, like it gives them the opportunity to problem solve for us to all just dialogue about like, what are some things like they can ask each other. We can talk about if somebody's stuck, like that happens. Sometimes you're like, this is all I knew how to do in that moment. I don't know. I didn't know anything else. So it gives us the opportunity to come up with other solutions and maybe try some new things, practice some, some other skills that weren't in their toolbox. It's so good. So would you say when that happened and um, you sat down and sort of talked about it after your hike. Was is that when you sort of started doing what you were doing? Was that the kind of, or you know, was that sort of the moment that you were like, oh, I got to introduce these debrief sessions and circles with my children more regularly? Um, I had already been doing it, so I started. It was probably about four, five months before that that I kind of put everything together. Um, it came very rapid fire to me, like when I look back now, I'm like, wow, like there was things happened very quickly. Um, but I had already been using some of the skills with my kids. Like when they, when they would have a fight, um, and from a restorative practices perspective, instead of asking a child, why did you do that? You would say, what happened? Why (laughs) just raises defenses? Yeah. I feel like, why did you do that is one of the most common parenting phrases. I ask it all the time still, but it's, <laughs> and, and it's just because it comes, it rolls off the tongue so easy. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is happening? Why did you like, oh, anyway. So yeah. what other phrase did you say? Um, what happened? What happened? What happened? Can you tell me what you were thinking at the time? is a little bit easier. That one's still pretty abstract. And like my kids struggle with that one. And even I do sometimes, but that at least will allow you to arrive at like, what were you trying to accomplish? Why is just like, I get defensive when somebody asks me why, why did you do that? I'm like, uh, immediately I'm like, I must've been wrong. Like it's, this is a matter of right or wrong. And so when you just ask like what happened, they would just, they would start actually giving me the facts. I mean, they skew them for sure, Julie. Like I'm not going to lie. I'm not like saying that my kids are these, they share their side of the story that well, because usually it's like what he did. And then I have to go to the other person to find out what the other one did. So it's they like would a like, detective. Yeah. totally. <laughs> and I've learned along the way to like, 
constantly ask, okay, so what happened before that part? What happened before that part? <laughs> so I can get a little fuller picture because they definitely give me like snippets where they think they won't be, get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how you'd know who to believe either. Like, <laughs> uh, it's been, it's definitely been a process like uh, just trial and error. So I kind of started doing that with them. So we were already like that language, our language had changed when stuff would happen. And then the other part of restorative practices is helping them understand how to repair harm, which is really good between siblings. So when they would get in fight, it's my youngest two that usually fight. Um, so I would say like, okay, what happened? We'd go through that. And I'm like, okay, what do you need to do to make this better? And so they would come up with stuff. I, the first time I, I tried it, I was like, this isn't going to work, but okay. And, um, I asked them, what do you need to do to make this better? And they were really into Batman at the time. It's not like when you, when I share the rest of this, you're going to laugh and recognize why I have to just put the disclaimer out there that they were into Batman (laughs) and there was Alfred the Butler. So he, I think it was my middle son. He was like, well, I want him to be my Butler. I was like, (laughs) genius. I'm so in love with this, this creative solution. I'm like, okay, well, what does it mean to be your butler? He's like, well, he has to build whatever I want with Legos for the, you know, for right now or something. And I was like, okay, let's put a time limit on it. Like, well, you know, what do we, I think we picked like five minutes or 10 minutes or like two songs on like, you know, Spotify or something like that. Um, and I'm like, cool. Then I was like, are you, are you willing to do that? Or do you want another consequence eyes? And he was like, yeah, I'll be his butler. So he built him some stuff. He like built whatever he was told to build out of Legos for like 10 minutes. And then, and then they were playing together after that. And I'm like, this was, couldn't have been better if I would have constructed this myself. Like, there's no way that I would have created this beautiful outcome. Yes, that's fantastic. Yeah. Can I ask you, for, for anyone that's sort of new to family meetings um, mm-hmm. that you mentioned before, you have them quite regularly. What would a family meeting look like? What happens in your family meeting? What do you talk about? Yeah, so... Um, our basic ones, like the ones that we have pretty much like one, we do it once a week. You can do it more, you can do it less, but once a week feels really right for us. And I feel like it gives you enough consistency, um, to keep the momentum going. So we sit down, um, we try to do it like right before bed or like sometime in the like early evening. Um, we'll just sit in a circle. Uh, sometimes it's in our living room. Sometimes it's on my bed. Um, and we'll start with like some breathing. So we just do like a couple deep breaths. That's so that yoga instructor and me. And, um, yeah, yeah. Right. Cause it gets everybody to a place of calm. Like at the end of the night, like some of us are like a little more sluggish. My youngest is more excitable when he's, when he's tired. So. Yeah, my daughter's the same. I'm thinking she would be like jumping up and down on the bed. I'd be like, Oh yeah. And, the, and like half the time he's doing that. He's like rolling around and I'm yeah. just like, okay, I got to pick my battles. Like you're at least here. Um, and then from there we do a check-in. So it's really important for me to like help start building that emotional language. And with the check-ins, I just get a different understanding of how my kids' days are. So what I notice often, and I noticed it with my own parenting is when I would ask them, how was your day? Right? Like, what do you get? Okay good. And I'm like, all right, like that gives me nothing. So we would ask things like my favorite is peaches and pits. So peaches and pits are the highs and lows of the day. Peaches, what is, what went well for your day or what has been going well this week? And the pit is what's something that's not going so great. And like, I'll usually to explain it to kids is like the peach might be, um, you did really well on a test and the pit might be, 
mommy sent you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you don't like jelly on your sandwich. So I kind of give them those examples. And so I get a much richer response from that question than tell me how you, or how was your day? Cause otherwise everybody would just say, okay, and good. And now we're moving on to something else. So we check in that way. I get to hear from them, like what's going on. And then um, sometimes that leads us into other conversations about like, all right, what did you do to make it better? Like what, what can you do to kind of like problem solve that? So sometimes we go that route. Sometimes that is our family meeting. It's just breathing in a check-in. Sometimes we talk about like, um, things that are going to happen over the weekend or we'll ask, like do silly questions or like getting to know you questions. So we might ask each other, like, what's your favorite food or something like that. So it really just depends, but our basic structure is breathing and it's some sort of check-in. I love that. It's fantastic. It's such a good way to just kind of stop and connect. I think as single mm-hmm. parents, Personally, I think there's a misconception that we just have so much quality time with our kids, but because we're just a one-woman show, we are doing everything and it's really hard to, I have to kind of schedule the time in to actually have quality time with my daughter and by that I mean no phones, I'm present, 100% present. I'm not thinking about I have to make dinner in 20 minutes, I'm not thinking about what I'm doing later that night when she's in bed and I have to do this and this and this, my to-do list, I'm giving her my full attention because we are always, we always have so much to do, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're always, it's hard for us to be present and it's hard for us to spend that quality time because we're always doing all the stuff that there's only one adult to do. Yep. And then like when you do have the time, it's like, what do I do with it? Like, what am I supposed to be doing with this time? Right? Like I have it. I want to do something. And sometimes like, you know, you're just like, okay, I'm just going to let them guide it. We're just going to get on the floor and build with Legos or whatever it is. But I think there's also a lot of value in, again, when you have that quality time or that those, like those moments of really identifying what is it that I, what is it that I want to do with this time? And so sometimes it is like, yeah, I just want to connect. I want, you know, I want to read a book with them. I want them to just know that I'm here. Other times you want to be more explicit and make sure you're teaching them something. And so that's all these family meetings are. It's just, it's a framework is really what it is. And I, the parents that I work with, I'm constantly telling telling them, please make it your own. I'm giving you, it's the same thing when I teach a yoga class. I'm going to give you some suggestions, but you pick and choose what works for you in a way that works for you. So if you want to sit in a circle, I think it's really good because you're all getting eye contact. But I also understand that sometimes family meetings occur in the car or on a walk or however else you want to do it. And so really just making it your own and then you can add in anything you want. If you want your family meeting to just be like snuggles and play, awesome. If you want to teach your kids about financial literacy, Awesome. That's a great place to do it. If you want to do goal setting, like there's so much you can do once you just get like in the habit of meeting on a regular basis. It's I love that. It is such a good idea. Um, Thank you. Is, so is that what you do with Connect, Flow, Grow? That's what you sort of teach mm-hmm. parents and work with parents to help them connect with their children through these family meetings? Yep. So I have a, a course that it's kind of like a six week ish, like six weeks. If you do one, one video a week, um, could be longer, could be shorter, but six to like nine weeks is probably like a a really good ideal amount of time. Um, that teaches you this foundation, like how to set up the family meeting. There's, there's like more technical things that go into it that are just things to consider that, um, make that time a little more protected. 
Um, so the course kind of gives you that structure and that basic foundation. And then um, in addition to that, I do a membership group where I just give you the content every month for your family meetings. So if you want to learn how to teach your kids like emotional language, give develop an emotional vocabulary, then here's some things that you can do for that. If you want to teach them some problem solving activities, then this month we might be working on problem solving or goal setting. So I'll give you the skills every month to practice. So that way you don't have to try and figure out like, all right, or, you know, because I don't, I'm not a therapist. I don't know how to like teach my kid how to develop coping skills or how to identify their emotions. Like that isn't something that's comes easy for me. So I'll just, you know, help you out with the time and save you the trouble and just give you all the stuff that I use. Cause honestly, like we talked before, Julia, like the same things that I'm teaching seven-year-olds are the same things that I'm teaching 70-year-olds. I just have to present it in a different way to make it age appropriate, but it's the same skills. I love that. I love it. It's, it sounds so amazing. Can I ask you, like anger, I think is an emotion that probably my daughter and I both struggle with. And Mm -hmm. um, when I look back to how I was raised, I don't think I really was taught very well how to manage feelings of anger. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even now when I look at, you know, the relationship that I have with my parents as an adult, um, when, you know, one of us are angry, it usually just results in someone storming out mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, lots and lots of yelling. And yep. um, it's just not a healthy way. And for me, I'm worried, I worry that I follow that same pattern. And my daughter tends to get these real like bouts of complete anger and I do too and Mm -hmm. what is the best way to kind of manage this because like it's just I feel like we we both behave in ways that we really regret afterwards like when you were talking Mm -hmm. about that hike you know and um I I behave in ways that are really not proud moments for me as a parent and Mm -hmm. my daughter says things and does things that she feels really bad about afterwards as well what what's a good kind of strategy for us to kind of to work through those moments where we feel angry. Totally. So one of it is like for parents is the recommendation is always to, to model it. Right. So like figure out your own, like your own strategies as to how you're going to manage anger. Anger usually, usually is a result of something else. So like my anger usually comes from stress or anxiety. Um, Some people get angry when they're, when it's sad and it's just this like emotion that lets undealt with emotion. So for parents, if they can model it, for their kids of like, okay, I'm angry, but this is what I'm going to do. And when you don't like, don't, then just talk about it with your, with your daughter. Say, you know, like I, I was angry today and this is how I handled it, but here's how I'm working on handling it. Or here's my commitment next time as to something that I can do, because I think that conversation is really powerful too. So that way you're naming what's happening in that moment and th- they're not having to guess or make a story because the brain wants to give context to a situation. And so if we're not discussing those events, then we will operate off of a bunch of assumptions and we'll create these stories about what happened that may or may not be true. So there's that. The second would be um, like if you wanted to teach her coping skills. So you could teach her ways of managing anger. When I teach people about their feelings, like I'll usually have them scale it. So if anger is the feeling that we're talking about, I'd say on a scale of one to 10, where are you at? With kids, you can do like, is it a small amount of anger, a medium amount of anger, or a big amount of anger? But you just want them to start identifying like how intense is this feeling? And then from there, you can say like, okay, what do you need to do? 
for most of us, if we're really, really, um, really upset, so that anger is in that like big or that like seven to 10 range, we need to do like deep breathing works really well. Um, music works well, walking, rhythmic activities are really, really helpful. Drumming, bouncing a basketball or bouncing on one of those big like exercise balls, like anything that provides kind of like rhythmic response. Um, And then you can start teaching her those things. You can start teaching her other coping skills. Like if she likes to do art or she likes to build, like you're just going to provide her with opportunities to figure out how to manage her emotions as the same time you're doing the same thing. So it's all trial and error. And the more like coping skills that people can have in their little toolbox, the better because it changes over time. Like something will work one day and maybe not the next. Um, Some people, you know, in one situation might want to snuggle and want comfort. And in a different situation, they want to isolate a little bit and just take a time out. So like if you can start exploring the range of those things, Um, And again, just like being really explicit about it and start naming it. So that way she and you have this common language and you both know like, okay, when this is happening, this is what we do instead of just kind of doing it, but not really being certain of what's happening. If that makes sense. Yes. I love that. Um, It's funny. You mentioned the deep breathing that that is something that we actually do and now like my daughter asks for it actually if she's having a moment because sometimes I I just go to her and I'm like hey and I'm like down on her eye level kneeling holding both of her hands going let's just take some deep breaths and calm Mm -hmm. down and I do and I go do it with me and we do like breathe in and breathe out and now sometimes when she gets really worked up she's like mom I need your help need to do some deep breathing and like I'm glad that she can recognize that that helps and yep. um, the music one is fantastic. Thank you for that tip. I think I'm going to try and definitely implement that. And, um, yeah, there's so much great advice there. I was just thinking, like, it's hard for people as well, I think, single moms, I mean, like uh-huh. when you have a toddler and there's, like, uh-huh. the frustration, you know, like and you can't yep. leave and, like, toddlers you, you cannot um, – like reason with it's like yep. oh my god you're yeah. killing me what, what do you do with them like what how do you kind of how would you go through the same process with say a toddler it's so funny that you say it. okay so same son I feel so I always have the same the stories of my one son he just is his he has big emotions and it's funny because it like it rubs up against me and like we will get into like it challenges me for sure but him and I are so the same in that way where, cause I just feel very deeply and very passionately. <laughs> yeah. So when he was, when he was like our two or three, um, he would have these like big tantrums and like, I have to, this is the part where I have to like also acknowledge like my own stress. This is like, he was two or three right when his father and I were like kind of like in the process of divorcing. And so my stress level was so high. So like my ability to parent him was definitely not that, uh, was, was impacted by it. Yeah. And you had your own stress that was going yeah. on that was probably rubbing off on them as well. Totally. So like that, that was a piece of it. He also just had, you know, he has big emotions. He's my passionate one. And, um, and I love it about him. So I, it's my job to help him shape it, but we would have, he would get into these places where he would just get mad about something. And I would try to like, ask him to go to his room. I'm like, okay, let's just go take, let's go take a time out. Let's go take some deep breaths. Let's go calm down. And he wouldn't do it. And so I would have to take him into his room and he, and I would shut the door and I would sit 
behind the door so he can get out because he would try to escape because he was mm. just like very frantic almost in those moments. Yeah. Because he's operating from that like primal part of his brain. And so he's like trying to get out and he's like screaming. He's bright red. I'm like, nobody, nobody. And it I'm sounds like, so familiar. <laughs> right? Like I'm sure so many yeah. moms are like, yep, been there. Yeah. And I was just like doing my own deep breathing because I'm like, I'm teetering on the edge of losing it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just taking deep breaths. I'm like, okay, okay. And then he's like taking stuff off his bed and throwing it across the room. And eventually he wore himself out. And then, um, and then sometimes he would come and sit with me and then I would just hold him on my lap and I would do the deep breaths. I'm like, okay, buddy, try and deep breathe with me. And I would just do my breathing over and over again. Or I'd like do the shh thing that we do for babies. Cause that's still very rhythmic. I'd rub his back or like massage his like arms and legs his or his feet, his hands, and just like start like calm, like physically calming his body and soothing him because he doesn't know how yet. So it's like, I'm trying to show him like, no, 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 let's get you back to this calm state. And then like, you know, some kids, if they're able to, you might say like, okay, like next time I want you to do this, but that age is really hard because their brain is still functioning and they, they don't think about consequences. Like developmentally, that's just where they're at. Um, they're just so impulsive. And so the more that like I can help him practice those skills and practice it when he's, when we're not in those tantrum moments, like if we were to deep breathe every day, I probably would have had a completely different response, but I wasn't in a place to teach my kid to deep breathe every day. So I didn't, I had to deal with these like really big meltdowns because his emotions had, you know, we just, the volcano exploded and then we had to, like, we had to be responsive at that point in time, but it was, it was definitely very stressful. And we just kept doing it over and over again. Every time he would do it, we, I'd sit in the room with him, he would do his thing. And then, um, at one point I bought one of those, uh, like here in the U S I think they're called a Bobo doll. It's like a inflatable plastic thing with sand in the bottom. And if you hit it, it'll like pop back up. Um, so I bought one of those and, uh, I got him a foam bat and I was like, you can hit this if you're that angry, but you can't hit your brothers. And I don't want you breaking things, but you can come in here and you can hit this. You can punch your pillow. You can scream if you need to, because I had to recognize that he needed, he needs a physical outlet. Like he's not the type of kid that, um, just wants to sit in color. My oldest one is he'll sit in color and just kind of, he just needs his own space, but my baby is not that way. He needs a physical outlet. And so I had to give it to him. I had to give him like some options. So that way he felt like he could get the energy and that emotion out in a way that was intuitively right to him and honored himself. And then slowly I've seen that behavior shape to where now I can just look at him and I'll be like, Izzy, can you take a couple deep breaths? He takes a deep breath. He changes his behavior, but that's, that's been, yeah, like three and a half, four years in the making for sure. That's really good. And it's such a good skill that it will, um, adapt like he'll adapt to using that same skill like as he gets older he might decide I'm going to go for a run you know like you're teaching him how he's going to know how to kind of deal with that those yep. emotions and that anger and how to let it out yep. yep so can I ask you what what are the benefits of sitting down and having these sort of regular meetings or um is that the same thing as like a circle yeah. So it's the same thing. Um, you can use them interchangeably. The benefits of doing it regularly is you're just, you're being consistent with it. Right. So like the kids know like, okay, we have this time, we have this structure. Most of the parents that I work with and like what I started noticing in, with my own kids, as soon as I, we started having family meetings, I would t 
tend to forget because I would just be in my own head or we'd be busy. And my kids would be like, Hey mommy, we haven't had a family meeting. Let's have a family meeting. Can we do this check-in? And they would start asking me because kids just, they're just really lacking FaceTime these days. And I mean, these days more than ever, but like in before like coronavirus or COVID, it was, it's still just an area that I think kids are impoverished. It's like face to face, face contact this kind of time to just connect. And so we all want it. And so they would just ask me for it. And so we would do it and it just one showed them, right. That, you know, I'm consistent, like I'm committed to this process. The other thing that's a benefit is we're getting to know each other. We're kind of proactively developing the skills needed to communicate with each other, to take turns, to engage. And then when something happens like the hike on the mountain or other things that we've had to tackle where it's more um, emotionally intense, we've already developed the capacity to sit in a circle and talk to each other. So you wouldn't want to just have a circle or have a family meeting only when there's a problem because then kids are going to be like, I don't want to do family meetings because it means there's a problem. So you want them to be very comfortable in it, have the ability, like get them to start sharing. Cause some kids that, that part alone is really uncomfortable. And so you add in, you know, having to discuss something that raises, you know, the emotions a little bit. Now they're really stressed out and they're operating from maybe a fight or flight place or just like a highly emotional place versus a rational place because you've put them in this new situation. You're asking them to share their feelings and to talk to people. And those things might not be your child's strengths. So by getting, giving them the skills over and over again to just like engage dialogue with each other, take turns, maybe like compromise, negotiate in ways that don't feel very threatening when you have to talk about major issues or changes in the family or something where they might be uh, just have a different response. They might feel a little more threatened um, emotionally. Um, And I just mean like, you know, like it it might raise their anxiety or they might get angry or they might feel sad, sadness. It's not like, you know, their safety's in jeopardy. Um, Then they at least aren't also dealing with the stress that comes from this weird thing that mom is now having us do is sit in the circle and look at each other because we've never done this. So now we like, now we have these two things that are causing us to be a little more, have more heightened awareness. It's just this one. Does that, is that making sense? Yeah, completely, completely. And, you know, I was just thinking while you were speaking about like how great this is as well for boys, because um, I know a lot of people ask me about worrying about being a single mom and raising a boy and how to raise a good man and that kind of thing. And this is like such a good thing you can do for your son, like to, to mm-hmm. teach them that emotional intelligence and teach them how to connect and talk about their feelings. And so it's not like so uncomfortable. It's yep. just like a normal thing, like as, you know, as, as it should be for both sexes, but like, you know, it just kind of, you're raising them with these amazing skills that are just really going to benefit them as they get older, like for boys and girls. But I think this is such a good thing for women to do with boys. Totally. Like I, so like part of like me being intentional about my parenting is like, I will think about things like, okay, I want them to have strong sibling relationships. I want them to be able to say, I love each other. I love you to each other. Like those are things that just didn't come naturally in my family. And that I struggled with like moving into adulthood of like, is it okay to say I love you to somebody? I feel like I love them, but like, what does that mean? Like, I'm not used to saying it. And so like, again, with planning with the end in mind, I'll sit down with my kids and like at the end of our meetings, sometimes I'm 
I'll say things like, okay, I want you to tell your brother or tell the person to the right of you one good thing about them or something that you like about them or, you know, something that you, why you're grateful that they're in your life or tell them that you love them, give them a hug. Um, because I, I just want to build their capacity in that area. It's way easier now to do it. And if they imagine we do that, let's say we only do that once a month, but that's 12 times every year over the course of their lifespan that they're doing that versus waiting till they're 27 and then expecting them to be able to do whatever the thing is that I'm trying to get them to do. Yes. It's so good. I was raised in a very, I love you family. You know, we Mm -hmm. said it all the time, but I think it's a nice thing to be able to share with someone. Agreed. And if it's not that, if it's something else, right? Like, uh, gosh, think of, I think of so many people and I saw it in schools all the time. And even as friends of like, people don't know how to receive compliments. Yes. Like there's so many skills, like people don't know how to apologize with like, from like an authentic, genuine place. Like you don't know how to accept an apology. Like all of these things are like really valuable skills that unless we're explicitly teaching our kids, we can't assume that they're going to pick them up. Even if we're modeling that behavior, like I really am, I am the type that will over-communicate everything. And I, as much as I can, like, you know, obviously I can't do it for everything, but when those moments arise, I try to take advantage of them as much as possible and break it down for my kids so they understand what's happening and why. When you're having a moment that you're struggling with, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or just like when I'm, when I'm asking them to do something. So one of the examples that, um, I was in a conversation with another friend and like I, when I had kids, I struggled with like, okay, how are my kids going to address adults? Cause again, wasn't it something like we address adults by their first names, but it wasn't a conversation that we had. So I was like, is it disrespectful? And I finally arrived at like, meh, my, me and my friends are pretty casual. Like, I think it's okay for them to address adults by their first name, but some adults like they'll get a last name. So then I have conversations with them about like, this is why you can address these adults by their first name and these adults by like, a Ms. their first name, Mrs. their last name. And so it looks different, but here's kind of the reason why I do those things um, and why this is my, this seems to be our style and this is the way that it works for us. So that way they just know like, ah, got it. And they understand kind of the rules so they can start applying it or questioning it and like know like when they should be doing it, when they shouldn't, or they can challenge me a little bit and be like, hey, you're being inconsistent here, mom, or I don't really get this, but I at least want to start like giving them an understanding of what's behind the scenes. That's so cool. I love how kids are so eager to learn. Like they're so Mm -hmm. kind of and happy to pick things up. Like sometimes I say things to my daughter and like, I don't know, for example, we don't touch our private parts when we're in public and we need to go to the toilet, you know? Yep. Yep. Like, oh, okay. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But right. Like imagine it's just like, like if you don't have that conversation, it's like, do I, don't I, I don't know. Like, and they're just scanning the environment for, to like pick up on clues and you don't know what you don't know. So she's just like, I'm just, I'm just looking for information here, but you're just breaking it down for her. Like, no, you don't do this. Yeah. And this is when you do touch your privates. Yeah. Cool. Now I understand the rules. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love what you're doing. And, um, you know, thank you for sharing everything and thank you for being so open with your own situation as well. And I think this is going to be really useful for most of my listeners. It's something that I'm definitely going to start doing more formally. I'm going to sit down. We always do Friday night movie night. And I think for us, Mm -hmm. a family meeting might work really well 
just before that, you know, and then yep. we can sit down and have movie night together afterwards. So oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Lynn. And if anyone would like to get in touch with Lynn, you can find her over at Connect Flow Grow, which is www.connectflowgrow.com. And she's also on Instagram and Facebook at Connect Flow Grow. And obviously I'll put those links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Lynn. I've loved chatting with you and um, I can't wait to chat again soon. Likewise, Julia. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Lynn, that was amazing. Thank you. I always love chatting with you. As I was saying to you after the recording, you've always got like these amazing gold nuggets of action, you know, that we can put into place straight away. So I really loved that. I'm definitely going to be implementing this family meeting into our lives. And I love your strategy for talking and connecting with kids. So thank you so much. I think it's such a great, useful and important skill that we can do with our kids. So super grateful for your time. And for those wanting to connect with Lynn, you can check all her details for her website and her social media details that I just mentioned earlier in the show notes. Plus, Lynn has been kind enough to provide us with a discount code and the discount code is singlemum20, mum spelt M-U-M. And that is to use on her foundational course that she offers or to enroll in her ongoing membership. So big thanks. Big thanks for that, Lynn. If you wanted to get in touch with me, you can send me an email to julia at survival guide.com or you can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at single mother survival guide. If you want to check out any of if you want to check out any of the other podcast episodes or read my blog, you can head on over to the single mother survival guide website which is www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com. And again, I will pop all those details in the show notes as well for you. As I mentioned at the start, if you have enjoyed the podcast, I'd love for you to rate it in iTunes. And if you have a few minutes, even writing a review would be absolutely fabulous. Thank you for doing that. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here, sending you lots of love and strength. Be kind to yourself in these uncertain and very difficult times. And I'll be back next week. I hope you have a wonderful day or evening depending on where you are and when you're listening and I'm really looking forward to speaking with you again next week. Okay, bye for now.